Welcome, everyone, to Good Night and Good Game, your source for geek news for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Hector. Hello. This week on the show after the news, it's time for us to go back to the world of Silent Hill. That's right. There was a bunch of new announcements made this week, and we are going to spend a lot of time covering them and giving you our thoughts on all of them. But before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where's a page of our show. You can suggest topics for us to talk about. We just did a, a double feature on Oculus and Fright Night, so it will be up um, at, at the time of this goes up. So, yeah. And with all that out of the way, it's time to jump into the show with the prelude. Hey everyone, welcome to the Prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, and what has been occupying our free time, and of course, what has been making us happy. Hector, what do you got for me this week? Oh man, I got a bunch of stuff. Um, as we uh, mentioned uh, the last time we were live, uh, Steam Next Fest is going on, was going on, and there were just hundreds of demos to look into, to download, and to check out. I had checked out quite a few of them, and these are a couple. Um, I started a game called Gunbarella. Now, Gunbarella is a really fun little side-scrolling Metroidvania-like, but um, also feels like a little bit of like a Zelda-like in a Zelda 2 sense, which okay. I don't know if that's going to turn on or I off. I liked Zelda 2. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, some people did. So what you have is a game with very limited health and um, really fun little traversal mechanics, a la like Super Mario World, and a really dark setting where you're kind of like a... Uh, like uh, like uh, I, I think Blade Runner is the wrong word because it's against demons, but you're like a demon hunter kind of, mm -hmm. you know. And there are demons out in the countryside, but there are also towns full of people with quests in this cute little 2D art style that reminds me a lot of stuff like Mega Man X. So uh, very very cool. The uh, other game that I played uh, was called Stick It to the Stick Man. Now, this was a great demo. If anyone remembers the old stick figure cartoons from back in, like, the early Newgrounds days, oh, like, wow. imagine that, but a video game. So, basically, everything is a little bit ragdoll physics-y, and the story of the game is you are a worker, and you go to a place of work, and, you know, your boss comes out and tells you that you're fired. So, you push him out the window. <laughs> and then you go up another floor and a bunch of other people who are on that floor say, hey, you're not supposed to be up here. You're fired. And you kill them. And you just keep going all the way to the top until you kill the boss. That's and, uh, That's a stick it to the stick man. Um, you have different combos. There are lots of different weapons or ways to upgrade your character. There are a bunch of different places you can go work at that all have very different and hilarious ways of killing all the other stick men around you who are trying to fire you. Because yeah. fuck those guys. So, uh, yeah, very, very fun demo. Uh, can't recommend it enough. I can't wait for the game to come out. Uh, looks great. So, a couple of things that I watched over the weekend. I watched some stand-up, uh, namely uh, the new Hassan Minaj mm -hmm. and the new Eliza Schlesinger on Netflix. Both on Netflix, both fantastic in their own ways. If you don't know, uh, Hassan Minaj was from the Patriot Act. He actually explains why he called the show the Patriot Act in this stand-up. That was a show that was taken from us too soon. Yes, very much, much too soon. And we blame the Saudis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a wonderful show. Very much had, uh, very much had a, uh, 
a um, last week tonight vibe the yep. Patriot Act did, yep. and this is basically his explanation of that. But he's always been this kind of comedian who like kind of has to have a PowerPoint presentation going on behind him so that mm-hmm. you can get the idea or really get the impact of what he's talking about because he just likes showing you insane shit and then commenting on it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of it would just stick before Patriot Act. Mm-hmm. All of his comedy on Netflix is like that. If you go back and watch it, and you should because it's very funny. The other one is Eliza Schlesinger. I've been watching her stuff since she was in her 20s. Um, uh, uh, her most recent one before, this was called Elder Millennial because she's just about as old as, as millennials can be. Mm-hmm. And she has a, a really hilarious take on why we are the way we are, mm-hmm. on our mental health. On And this one is, you know, about coming out of the pandemic and, like, getting back to normal life and what that's like and, uh, you know, just what it was like to, um, you know, have, you know, the, the issues that she has and finally find a husband and finally have a kid, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. I mean, it's all, it's all been amazing. Um, and... Yeah, her show was just beyond funny. If you've never heard of her, go watch literally any of her specials. I can recommend them all. She acts like a like she's absolutely gorgeous, but she never acts like it. Like it's mm. not a part of her act. Mm. Like she puts herself out there, but she doesn't like you know the, the sexiness doesn't come into it. Mm. She she talks to you like your best friend, like like you know the person next door talks about you know every, you know everything that you might find embarrassing, and it's not like you know the the farting type stuff. It's like the neuroses that you get being an online person at this age. Yeah, uh, just it's just very very cool. I can't re- recommend that one enough. Um, and the last thing that I have is uh, one that you'll be interested in, and that is the game Scorn, finally. Mm, Yes. Scorn is an unholy union of a walking simulator, a puzzle game, and very, very last, a shooter, because it's not really much of a shooter at all. Mm. The shooting is there to add tension and drama to what is essentially a tour of the greatest art exhibit there ever was Mm -hmm. for someone like Giger. Um, uh, and I can't tell you enough how beautiful this game is. It is horrifying and gross, and it freaked me out from time to time. And just with the art, just with the soundscape and the designscape and the beautiful, beautiful artwork. Uh, it's on Game Pass. You should play it there if you can. If you can get it on Steam, it's totally worth all the money if that's your thing. It's got great puzzles because they're all contextual to the world. It doesn't tell you what you're ever supposed to be doing. Right. You just kind of have to figure it out based on the things around you and the horrible things happening to your body at all times. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Scorn. Um, play it. Okay. Do that. Horrible things happening to your body is my theme for the week because I uh, got my flu vaccine and my COVID booster, and that laid me out for a whole ass day. Yeah. Um, so definitely a little bit of non-being productive on my side of the world, but we definitely encourage everybody to go out and get those things, please. Go do those things. It'll, yes. it'll suck for a day. But because of that, I needed some comfort some comfort food mm-hmm. show-wise to watch. Uh, I watched the very first season of Somebody Feed Phil on oh, Netflix. I love that show. Uh, which is just a gentleman touring the world, going places, learning their cuisine. He's very ignorant of a lot of the places. That he, whereas, oh, yeah. whereas, like, in an Anthony Bourdain show, he's very educated about all the places that he goes and the culture behind them. You get this from the experience of somebody who is not educated about those things. Mm-hmm. And it's very fun. It can come off a little bit hammy in the first episode, but there's a big sincerity to him. Right. Um, there's a really great one in the Mexico City episode where he was told that, like, hey, before you leave, you should go to the top of your hotel and just watch the sunset. 
And he goes up there and he sits and he doesn't really pontificate. He just says, I don't think that I've ever really seen the beauty of this city the way that I did viewing it from up here. And it's just a very quiet moment, you know, and this is between eating 12 million tacos and trying yeah. spices he had never done before having, you know, this, uh, the mole that had been passed down through the generations oh, and yeah. like learning about all these things culturally. And so while he can come off as a little bit of a buffoon, you got to understand that this is probably what you would be like if you went to another country and didn't know it. Yeah. And so when you go into it with that perspective, it's very refreshing because he's most likely going to ask the questions that you're going to ask when you're in that country. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I can't recommend enough. There's six seasons of it. Apparently, six season has yeah. an episode here in Austin. So. Yeah, yeah. I actually just last night watched the Austin episode of the newest season. Yeah. And, yeah, he goes to a lot of great places, a lot of places that I've just recently been. Like, mm-hmm. like he, he does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um uh, yeah, I've, I've always loved his show. Uh, watching him do the thing that Bourdain did and the thing that, you know, traveling chefs have done before, but on TV, but not being a chef and not even right. being in the food world. He's yeah, a TV comic yeah. sitcom writer. Right. That's his legacy. So when he goes out and someone shows him some, you know, molecular gastronomy, he doesn't go, oh, how are you stabilizing the gelatin mixture? He goes, oh, little bubbles. And yeah. it's great because yeah. it's he, you get to experience it. It's, 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 it's an almost childlike wonder. I was going to say, he's so childlike sometimes that it's almost like seeing it through the eyes of a child. He's yeah. just happy to be there. Yeah. And he's, you know, he loves the pretty colors and he loves it yeah. when things taste good. Yeah. And he just, it, it, when something tastes really good, he's little dance yeah and he does. like that that's his thing it's very innocent if you're looking for something wholesome to fucking watch please it's on netflix yeah. somebody feed phil is so corny and so much fun i was in and out of my like post-vax coma mm-hmm. and then like i kind of heard it in the background like this week we're going to new orleans and that part of my brain went wait you're going to new orleans in a month you need to wake up yeah and then, like you, you gotta watch yeah exactly (laughs) so that was exciting um there was the capcom showcase that we both watched today Uh, it didn't really warrant a big spot in the news itself it was a lot of stuff that we already knew is showing off resident evil 4 Mm -hmm. it was showing off um the uh dlc for village for village that Mm -hmm. was all fantastic we got dates for all of it yeah um it was an impressive showcase i don't know if it warranted the full 30 minutes but you know it was exciting it was nice to know of the village uh dlc end of the month um Resident Evil 4 remake coming at uh, March. March. End of March. Yeah. End of March. The, the, the DLC for Village is literally not tomorrow, Friday, as we're recording this on Thursday, the 20th, but next. Yeah, Friday. the 28th. The 28th. That was when it yeah, comes out. So, so, so. Like, yeah, by the end of next week. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm playing RE Village DLC. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm doing. The last thing that I did this week is something that we did together right before the show, and I do want to talk about it just for a brief minute because it is spooky season. There's a show I've been wanting to watch on HBO for a while. I've been a little bit nervous about it um, just because I heard really, really good things, uh, but I wanted to watch it with a friend. Not because it's spooky, but because it's part of a culture I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the show is uh, Los Spookies. Los Spookies. And uh, it is a very weird show. We have watched two episodes of it. Uh, the premise of the show is that there's the, this kind of ragtag group um, who wants to basically be like horror movie people. Um, they work on special effects mm-hmm. and all of this, and they bring their talents to weird situations. So that's right. not like they're making movies. There's like in the first episode, there's a priest who's not very popular, and he would think the way to become popular is to be shown on TV. So the only way to really do that is to pull off an exorcism. So the, the priest pays them to stage an exorcism so that that they could be on TV. Yep. 
And like, that's the premise of the episode. Yeah. And, and through this whole thing, it's carried with a very serious tone, even though it is a comedy, by the way, it's a 30 minute, like, you know, mm-hmm. episodic comedy. Um, it was brought to you by Fred Armiston, uh, produced by Lauren, um, Lauren Michaels company. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, Mostly like a 90% in Spanish. Oh, yeah. Um, it is very much about that kind of uh, Latin culture. There's a lot of jokes that will go over a lot of people's heads. But a lot of it is just you've seen these archetypes in other comedies. Yeah. So, so right. you, you get it when, you know, the characters behave in a certain way. Yeah. But the dialogue is just like the dialogue is really, really good. The jokes land even outside of their native language for the most part because the humor is it, you can feel Fred Armisen in the writing because mm-hmm. it's very much um, like the it, it feels a little bit like Portlandia sometimes where yeah. they're kind of like making fun of an idea of a place right and even the title Los Espookies is a stupid broken Tex-Mex Spanish from where I'm from the Rio Grande Valley because you took the you know the, the, the first the, the, the first article in Spanish and then you make up a nonsense word that's neither Spanish nor English and that's what you call the thing because everyone around you knows what the fuck you're talking about right everyone in the vicinity around is, 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 isn't yeah. that even a joke in like the second episode where he hands her the business card mm-hmm. and she goes like don't spell it like that spell it like this yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because they spelled it, it basically like you would spell it in Spanish because, yeah, they, they don't do double vowels. Right. So he's like, yeah, you, you, it, it looks like Spockies. Right. Yeah, in English it does, yeah. but the fucking show's not even in English. Right. And that's like a character that I want to highlight from the first two episodes that, the, that they watch. One of the characters is an ambassador to Mexico from the United States working at the embassy. Like, she seems like she's in charge. She's got the big desk in the big office. <laughs> And she might as well be Paris Hilton. She is just, like, vapid and obsessed with her image and, you know, doesn't understand why she doesn't know what the people around her are saying, even though she very clearly only speaks English and everyone around her is speaking in Spanish. Yeah. And she's the ambassador. There's this joke where she accidentally drops green cards on the ground and she's like, oh, gross, they're not good anymore. Just throw them away like the rest of them. Like Jesus Christ, it's just that's just great, right? And, and there's so much there. There are so many layers of the show that um, I had originally found it. Found it a year ago, and I'd been wanting to watch it, but I'd kind of forgotten about it. And then I listened to like an NPR discussion about it, and they were talking about the background of the show and how certain jokes operate. They're like, "Oh yeah, there's this whole Herbalife joke in the show that like you wouldn't understand unless you like had a Hispanic family and had to go through the Herbalite crisis of the last like five years." And like, you know, there's just a lot. There are layers to the show, but there's something for everybody. And it is definitely worth watching. Um, yeah, it's a comedy that's in, that has subtitles. But you know what? The show is fucking hilarious. It is. It really is funny. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to watching more of it. And that's everything that I've been doing that for the, this week. That is everything that we have for the prelude. But stick with us because we have a lot to talk about in our next segment, The Weekly Raid. The Weekly Raid. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It's time for the Weekly Raid, your news roundup of the week's geek news. Kicking things off, we finally have more details on Mike Flanagan's Fall of the House of Usher series for Netflix. The series will adapt eight of Edgar Allan Poe's stories, with Flanagan directing four of them. Uh, Flanagan said in an interview this week, quote, 
this is kind of crazy. It's unlike anything that I've ever done, but in the other direction. My favorite way to describe it is like Hill House is kind of like a string quartet. And Bly Manor is this delicate, kind of beautiful piece of classical piano music. And the fall of House of Usher is heavy metal. It is rock and roll. He said, it is the closest that I will ever get to making a jello film. Okay. So, but from from your description, it sounds like anthology. It is anthology, yes. Okay. But he's wanting to bring that jello color and maybe gore and... I mean, it sounds fucking amazing. It sounds like... Like, he wants to break out of the shell that he's in, or, you know, at least he's always had the inclination to, you know, l- let me make something not so classy for once, you it's know? L- let me, like, dive into some so, some gore, maybe a little exploitation, you mm-hmm. know? Because, that, I mean, that's part of... That, that some of it is what makes horror horror, you mm-hmm. know? So, and yeah, we, I mean, so that sounds really fucking exciting. Just before we started the, the main show, we did our, our Patreon episode, mm-hmm. which will be up when we do this episode, and we talked about Oculus, yeah. Mike Flanagan's first film, and how in that, the thorough line of all the movies and shows that we've seen really started at Oculus, yeah. um, and how everything, you can find the origin of Mike Flanagan's work through those things. Definitely. It sounds like this is his opportunity to say, you know, screw it, we're just going to break everything down, we're going to do a whole different thing because he has while he has evolved his craft Mm -hmm. he has stuck to some very strict rules and guidelines for the things that he's done this sounds like his chance to just say fuck it let's have fun yeah no and I'm super excited for that Uh, especially considering like the projects that he's done and the budget he can amass because I mean if you're if you really want to do something big and, uh, you know, you want it to, you know, be a spectacle. It, it takes a little bit of cash. True. So, so I'm glad he's got all of that locked away. Just And by doing, might I remind you, some of the classiest horror we've gotten in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something actually pretty spooky that didn't have to be that, that yeah. gory. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, if you take even just um, Hill House and Blind Manor, like the gore in those shows is minimal, but they are, you know, heavy on the scares mm. and they're, you know, very character driven. They're so good. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because in the uh, episode that we did before this, where we were talking about Oculus. One of the points that we brought up is that Oculus is a movie that really warrants uh, or sorry, it invites discussion oh, after yeah. the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been like that for Flanagan's work for a long time. Oh, yeah. Hill House and Blind Manor. Those are movies or series that yeah. really invite discussion with your friends after you've watched them. Absolutely. As well as rewatches and as well yeah. as like Easter eggs, right? Like all of that, it seems to, he, he loves to bake that stuff into his work. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think all the way back to Hill House when it was, you know, uh, did how many ghosts did you see? Oh, I saw like nine. I saw 27. Where were you? It's like, ah, I was watching the show. Yeah. I need to watch it again, apparently. Yeah. Next up, legendary filmmaker and music producer John Carpenter was interviewed recently. Some of the highlights from the interview were that he would love to score a video game, but has not been asked to yet, and that he would love to direct a Dead Space film, saying, quote, you have these people coming onto an abandoned, shutdown spaceship, and they have to start it up, and something's on board. It's great stuff. I would love to make Dead Space. I'll tell you that right now. That game is ready-made for a film adaptation. Agreed. He also admitted that his current gaming obsession is Fallout 76, and he couldn't tell you how much time he's played it. That being said, said. <laughs> think about the fact that John Carpenter, the, the man who made who made Halloween yeah. and, and then wrote the music for Halloween, mm-hmm. is being asked to do a horror property that would actually translate well to film. 
and isn't getting it and that nobody's asked his uh nobody's asked him to ever score anything for a video game ever i mean it feels like the most logical thing to have john carpenter score something i don't know it's just it's weird yeah i mean you like like, why wouldn't you you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. Uh, as far as like, yeah, if you gave John Carpenter, if anyone was going to direct a Dead Space movie, I, I I'd want it to be John Carpenter. Right? I mean, shit. If I had like my jokes or, or my choice, if I had my choice, it would yeah, it's Carpenter man, like mm-hmm. like for sure. Uh, I, I can think of maybe two other people I would even consider. All right, next up on the list, I don't bring up Kickstarters too often on the show, but I feel like there is one to mention today. It is called Scored to Death, The Dark Art of Scary Movie Music. It is based on the Scored to Death book series that I didn't know existed until today. Um, And the documentary basically wants to dive into what it takes to create music and sound for horror. Is the is the is the premise behind it? Okay. So apparently, there's multiple books in this book series where they just like interview famous composers for horror mm-hmm. and get their opinions. And basically, they want to turn this into an actual like documentary. So the Kickstarter is up right now. This honestly sounds like something that I hope that people are a interested in and may go may go to Kickstarter to back this project, or b somebody like Shutter sees this and really wants to pick it up. Yeah. No. I'm. I mean. I hope so. And that's the thing about Kickstarters is they can be so um, tragic at times. Yeah. You know, because you they either get money but not enough or they, you know, get barely funded but another thing picks them up and, you know, you never know where it's going to go from there. Mm. Uh, some projects are literally bought out by companies just so they can shelve them. Right. So, you know, it, it, you, you really want to see, you know, when you get a Kickstarter – it's so much less than a project as like a wish, mm-hmm. you know, like like a Mike like like a Mike Flanagan joke, uh, yeah. ghost. Yeah, you know, it, it's a wish. It, it, a ghost it, is a it, wish. It, it, it's a dream of uh, of something that you want to be real, and maybe some people can make that real. Yeah, you know. Hmm. All right, next up, Netflix is currently developing a game streaming service, currently much like Google Stadia previously. Um, (laughs) However, unlike Stadia, they're not looking to replace traditional gaming consoles. Mm -hmm. The head of Netflix gaming, Mike Verdue, said that they're looking to take the same approach as they've been done with mobile gaming recently, which is just start small and being very thoughtful and try and build out from there. And that's not really a bad thing, I don't think. Um, This is on top of the news that um, Shaco uh, Sunny, who previously worked on God of War, and Overwatch has been hired by Netflix to run a new studio in Southern California. His previous credits include being a studio head, obviously over at Activision and Santa Monica Studios. Mm-hmm. This is this is a person with chops. I mean, yeah. So, so Netflix really is trying to invest, and I think this is something that warrants a little bit of discussion because I know that we've kind of been like, "LOL, Netflix is trying to do gaming. Nobody's really paying attention to their games," but. They really are trying to figure things out because we've heard for so long that Netflix has really started to hit their threshold on users, right? Oh, like we're yeah. hitting max capacity. Yeah. So how do you then begin to appease the shareholders and yeah. what do you do? And like Chad is saying, you diversify. Mm-hmm. And so getting into these gaming spheres is a powerful move for them that it may take them a while to figure it out and we may laugh about it at them along the way. Oh, sure. But the potential there with the amount of money that they currently have to branch into the gaming sphere is almost kind of dangerous. Like they could, sure they could, well, Google was dangerous, but more dangerous than Netflix could ever be. You're talking about a company with pretty much infinite money. True. But Google had a history of shutting projects down. True. Also true. I mean, well, let's not 
forget about all the Netflix shows that get canceled way True. before their time. True. I don't mean to be the naysayer in this, but look. Do you know what made Steam what it is today? Because it wasn't advertising. It wasn't the fact that they were dangerous. They were the guys who made Half-Life. They were nobody. They were nobody. They, they weren't nobody. even fully the people who made Half-Life. Exactly. <laughs> they, they, they were, you know, they, they, they had some, so, some, some popular games in the past. Mm. And they decided we're, we're going to make this solution because it feels like some people might want it. And for the first five years of its life cycle, it, 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 it sucked. And, you know, eventually... They just kept making it better and kept making it better and kept making it better until suddenly, without again, without advertising and without um, putting themselves out there, without yearly sales, without summer sales, without mm. annual sales, without any kind of discount whatsoever, it was just a store with a good retail price mm. that you didn't have to leave your house for that you could buy your games from. And it'd always be in your library, even though you didn't have to have them installed. Yep. And people eventually just realized they wanted that. Yep. Netflix did the same shit when they made Netflix. Mm -hmm. It wasn't popular at the beginning, and it was kind of fucking bad for streaming. It was mostly a place where you got DVDs in the mail. Yep. But they slowly made it better until they realized, oh shit, everyone wants this. What I'm trying to say is... I don't know how Netflix breaks into a game space that already exists because there, there, there's no room for it anywhere. Right. Um, if they want to focus on being like the number one platform for mobile games, that would be a thing. Because right now it's just the Apple and Google store sure. or something like that. If they want to focus on being a reseller of modern games the way that Xbox Game Pass is and make it a subscription-based thing, mm. that's another thing they can do. But other than that, like... They can make first-party games, but they're not going to make any money releasing them only on their platform. Ask Stadia. No one buys. Uh, no one buys into a new platform for an untested IP anymore. They'd have to mm. get something that already exists somewhere else, right. which isn't impossible. But uh, look, as you know, Netflix, good or bad, we can have that argument a thousand different ways. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, like that. I don't I don't know how they become significant in the market space, but I know if they do, it'll happen when no one's looking. Yeah. So it, it, it's almost like, you know, like I, I did the conversation, I guess I'm trying to have is like, like there's no reason to count anyone's chickens before there's even a farm. Right. That totally uh, makes sense. No, I get it. I'm just saying that, you know, if they if they sit there and they stick to their guns and what they're saying here, they said they're going to take it slowly and try and mm -hmm. figure it out over time. That's the best thing that you can do. Yeah. Right. You don't want to be what Amazon did multiple times saying, oh, we just dropped multiple millions and billions of dollars into our Amazon gaming department to try and make a Lord of the Rings MMO that never fucking happened or yeah. other shit like that. Yeah. You know, think about how much money Amazon spent on like four games that they had in development. But and then they launched one into beta and then canceled every game they were making exactly yeah so like chat's saying it'll just take one solid acquisition They'll be, right now we are in a time where companies are buying other companies and it's possible that they could do that but, i mean we say that but i mean give me an example where that is proven what we have so far even with the the acquisition of thq nordic hmm. we have yet for any of that, and then that's really old. I'm not even talking about yeah. what Microsoft is doing and what Sony has done. Mm -hmm. We have yet to have any of these things 
outside of like the, the the newest studio to make a hit is Kojima Productions. True. Like and and that is completely independent. You mm-hmm. know, it gets money from other studios to make things exclusive for a while, yeah. but they own themselves. So when you're talking about a company like Netflix buying Niantic or a company like uh, you know Facebook buying Oculus mm-hmm. or you know, or, or, or Sony buying all of their, you know, studios that were mostly just making games for them. When you talk about Xbox buying Bethesda, we have yet to see fruit from any of those things. True. So, I mean, saying you have a foothold in the industry, I mean, the proof is in releasing a hit game, True. which is harder and harder to do today, especially in the AAA space. I agree. I just wanted to present both sides of the argument. No, I'm not That's saying right. you're wrong. I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm channeling... My realist today. Totally, I, yeah. I can dig that. I've been listening to you know communist podcasts all day. So I'm <laughs> feeling down on the system. After nearly one, after nearly the one year mark of the relaunch of G4 TV by Comcast, the channel has been shut down. It's been claimed that this was because of low viewership and was not being financially sustainable. The new iteration of G4 TV was a quote digital first channel through things like for uh, Verizon FiOS, Cox, and Xfinity TV. Mm-hmm. They also did some streaming for Twitch and YouTube. Um, honestly, we kind of just hope for the best for everybody that was affected by the layoffs. Yeah. It's shitty. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I hope I, I hope you land yeah. somewhere with a good job yeah. because you, yeah, the, the, the alternative is awful. So, yeah. yeah. And here, here's my thoughts about G4 because I, I have a history of G4. I, I watched the original channel back in the day. I did not watch any of the relaunch. Um, G4, when it came out in the early days, it was the first and only channel purely about video games. Mm-hmm. They went into tech for some stuff, but it was mostly primarily a video game channel. Mm-hmm. And so at two in the morning, you could turn on your cable TV back and back in and just like see somebody reviewing a video game or something. But this was prior to the early days of, uh, this was prior to the YouTube that we have now, the Twitch that we have, yeah. all of those things. So we had this thing where G4 was, a, was ahead of its time and it was maybe so ahead of its time that that's one of the reasons it failed because not a lot of people were into that. And then we have this newer G4, which was kind of too old for its time because all the shit they were trying to do, everybody else is just doing. Everybody's making content now. And if you're not... If you're not on Twitch all the time, if you're not on YouTube all the time, and you're still trying to, through Comcast, go to these certain channels and produce G4 at those, yeah, you're not going to get viewership because nobody fucking watches that anymore. No, of course not. Like, like you have to realize the oldest millennials are 40, and we were the cord cutters. Right. No one younger than us watches cable TV. Right. And they're not getting their gaming news from 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 the you know the, the cable box. Yeah. Like like definitely not. They're getting it online. They're getting on in YouTube. They're getting in by just watching people play the game early on Twitch when they get the chance to. Yeah. I've got a friend of mine who uh, has a young son, and he's always weirded out by the fact that, like, his kid will watch 12 hours of a streamer play Fortnite. And he's like, like, do you want to go play? And he's like, no, just enjoying watching. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the relationship that we have to video game streaming now. Mm -hmm. And so G4 not being able to tap into that market. And I get it. They they were trying to do some things that were modern. They they had a D&D, you know, TV show and a lot of other stuff. But it just was wrong place, wrong time, and also wrong exposure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's hard because it could have gone back the other way. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer for them would have been. Like, higher production... News, I think, would have been the thing for them. You'd also, honestly, uh, be a 24-7 streaming Twitch channel. Yeah. 
That's, you know, that's always have something going on, yeah. have weekly shows. You literally shows. make your TV show on YouTube and and or Twitch 24-7. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's it. That's your, your answer. Because honestly, yeah, I mean, I don't know from G4. I never had cable growing up, so it wasn't the thing. The only thing I know about G4 is that it's responsible for Olivia Munn, so thank you, G4, forever <laughs> and ever. Amen. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I wish everyone... Everyone affected by the company, you know, the best, absolute best. They're all life. amazing talents. They're going to yeah. land on their feet. Absolutely. Project Renee was announced by Maxis this week. That is actually the code name for The Sims 5. Mm-hmm. It's still early in development, but the focus of the new iteration of The Sims will actually be mods. Something that's actually always been in very popular in early versions of the game, mm-hmm. but something that's not always been accessible to the average player. So what they want to do is they want to focus more on The Sims community now, making it easier to not only play together, but more importantly, to create together. So essentially, what Maxis wants to do is they want to take all these fan-made tools that people have used for years and make them a core part of The Sims experience. Okay. Okay, so... And I, I don't mean to be this guy all the time. Please don't be that guy. But... But, so, it, I've never played a Sims game in my sure. life. Not my thing. Um... Just not not the type of gaming experience I'm looking for. Sure. Like build a human, send them to college, get them a job, and mm-hmm. a wife or husband or a dog and a baby, and build their house, decorate their house. I like to decorate the house part, to be honest. Like that's some of my favorite shit. Mm-hmm. But if you gave me a Sims game, a modern Sims game, and you let me just mod in socialism, <laughs> like, like, like straight up instead of like you know going to the preschool and getting told that evolution isn't real and that God watches you masturbate they're just like here's a good modern education and a free school breakfast lunch and um, here now you're going to go home without homework where your parents will labor four hours a day mm. and uh, then they'll come home to take care of you or they'll be on maternity leave <laughs> for a year when they have you and you'll get to basically grow up and follow your heart because you have universal basic income and free education so we'll just you'll just grow up well honestly and and live a life where as long as you don't have any major health issues you'll be okay i'll play that game there i would play the shit out of that i'm game. sure somebody will so, make that mod and i know they will that's why i'm so excited i've never once in my fucking entire life been excited for a sims game someone make this and I will play it with you. I'll play it with you a lot. I have I have played a few iterations of The Sims. I at least played the first couple of them. It's more of a game where I focus more on the building aspect than the other, like mm-hmm. the, the relationship aspect yeah, yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to give myself a cheat code for a lot of money and just spend hours just building a house. Yeah, absolutely. And you know? yeah, like so much to the point where like you just want like a house builder mode. Yeah, pretty like, much. Like just to strip out the rest of it. That's what I love so much about the game Raft is mm. in the game, you know, it's a survival game where you're stuck on a plank and you mm. wheel stuff in you know and it's like if you get enough wood you can like build another plank and like make your raft a little bigger eventually your raft is a house with like animals and grass and shit on it but there's a mode in that game that you can just click where it's like just infinite resources build your raft yeah and and yeah i fucking love that shit yeah so i'm excited for sims fans i think it's really cool they're taking all these concepts from the that the community's been doing since the very first game Mm -hmm. and just implementing them and saying like this is what the game should be this is obviously what people want yeah no, I love Let's that. Let's go from there. I mean, mods are great. Um, I, I will say that the, the Witcher 3 is still one of my favorite games of all time. I've never played it without mods on it. Mm. Same with every, you know, same with Skyrim, same with, you know, any Fallout game I ever played. Yeah. When I go back to play Cyberpunk, when the DLC comes out, 
I'm going to look up an article from the current year that says what the best mods are. Yeah. And I'm probably going to install a lot of them. Yep. I, I love modded games. All right, Hector. Here we go. So, every so often, I like to bring up some fucking obscure game from my past Love it. that I'm really passionate about from my childhood, and today is one of those days. So, a game that my mom and I played growing up, um, I would like to preface this by saying not together, by the way, that is super relevant to this whole discussion, right. uh, was a game called Phantasmagoria 2, A Puzzle of Flesh. Mm. This came out before the ratings code, and it was a Sierra online point-and-click horror game. It was viscerally graphic, it had sexual scenes, portrayals of BDSM, and a pretty respectable amount of gore in it. Thus the... Buffer, yeah. what, we did not oh, play yeah, this yeah. game together. Okay, it was yeah. just a game that we both played. Masturbated separately yep. to the same Let's Please don't. Please don't. My mother's getting married this weekend. <laughs> While these games or the point-and-click adventure titles are very niche by today's standards, especially because many of them look really bad now, mm-hmm. a fan of the Phantasmagoria series uh, came out this last week and said they have acquired the VHS tapes of all the movie scenes in the game and are in the process of digitizing them. Wow. Now, this is a big deal because Phantasmagoria had to have the resolution take, taken down a shit ton to have it fit into multiple CDs to get the game to run. Yeah. This is also a huge win for game preservation. While Sierra Online no longer exists, it is possible with these digital rips that uh, Activision, who's the current owner of Sierra Online, should they ever want to remake the game, they could use these rips to upscale the game. Um, there is a channel called Conversations with Curtis, which is all about Phantasmagoria and its sequel, which includes interviews with the cast and some of this footage. This sounds fucking awesome. Like, this is an absolute win. So, so you're saying they found VHS tapes of the original recording. So that's yeah. saying this was shot straight to video? I'm assuming so. That's fucking wild. Like, yeah. like that is, like, some of the most obscure horror of the 80s. Mm. But, like... But for video games, which makes perfect sense. I just didn't know any of it existed. Yeah, um, I actually just got done reading a book of of the history of Sierra Online. Mm -hmm. And while he doesn't talk about Phantasmagoria 2 in it because they didn't really have a bigger part in it, um, they did talk about Phantasmagoria 1. And it was one of the first games, if not the first game, to use um, live actors behind uh, essentially a green screen Mm -hmm. to do things. And one of the things he's talking about it, uh, uh, Robert Williams is talking about it, is he's saying that, um, look, man, like you look at that game now and you're like that game looks bad mm-hmm. but he's like if I could show you the video that we recorded from that game mm-hmm. that shit is shot like a Hollywood film like we did it on high resolution cameras but you had to fit it on five to seven CDs oh yeah so everything has to be chopped yeah, down probably all like 240 by like 180 like resolution just yep. digitally cropped down to where it's nothing but artifacts and snow yep yeah it's, it's freaking crazy so I'm excited. I'm going to go online and check some of these videos out. I, awesome. I loved yeah. this game growing up. It is. It I'd is, love to see like a playthrough, but like with the new stuff. Yeah, yeah. that would be really cool. I, I'm hoping that they decide someday to resurrect it because it's worth it. The game is a little campy. It's um, there was a lot in Phantasmagoria 2 specifically. Phantasmagoria 1 was a little bit more um, old school horror where it was about like, you know, like a husband and wife move into a house and the house might be haunted and things happen. Right. Whereas Phantasmagoria 2, A Puzzle of Flesh is a very much more me horror. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, a puzzle of flesh um, is a, li- a little bit more of a me, and I think this game kind of really defined a lot of 
the shit that I like horror wise. Um, the main character is very complicated. Um, in not only, so he's a character who works a day to day office life, but he fucking hates it. Um, he's struggling with, you know, relationships. He's struggling at some point in the very, by the way, progressive for the nineties, mm-hmm. the main character is struggling with his sexuality. He may, he thinks that he might be bisexual, but you know, the world's not really into people being like that. True that. Um, so he's trying to come to terms with that, and some of the horror comes from him trying to face his own demons on that front. Okay. Um, and there's also just a, a ton of fucked up stuff that happens. It is a really great piece of video game history that I don't feel is talked about enough. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, th- maybe someday there'll be some really good YouTube retrospectives on it, but it is a game that is very near and dear to my heart. It's a point-and-click adventure game, so again, not for everybody. I don't even really like those kind of games that much, mm-hmm. but this particular game spoke to me. Yeah, so oh, it sounds really cool. All right, a couple more things to do before we wrap up the news segment here. Some developers have begun speaking out against the Xbox Series S, the smaller, more affordable of the new Xbox consoles. According to interviews, the console requirements to make games compatible with that format have hindered developers as they try and create their games. Quote, studios have been through one development cycle where the Xbox Series S turned out to be an albatross around the neck of production. And now that games are firmly being developed with new consoles in mind, teams do not want to repeat the process. One of the developers for the upcoming Gotham Knights game has suggested that the game runs at 30 frames per second for this very reason. Yeah, I I believe that 100%. I mean, it... Look, there's a reason that a lot of the big AAA stuff that isn't developed by Sony or Microsoft specifically does not come to the Switch. It's because trying to design one game for all three systems is just far and away a monumental undertaking, not because it is hard, but because it's annoying and laborious Mm. to make a good-looking game also run well and look good extremely downscaled. Mm. That's just not how video game, like, visuals work. So, I I don't know. I, I feel like justifiably, especially considering games like God of War Ragnarok let's, are running on the PlayStation Let's 4. talk about, very briefly, we were watching the Resident Evil Showcase today. Yeah. And they said, you know, oh yeah, Resident Evil Village DLC, come, or Resident Evil 4 yeah. was coming to the PS4. Mm-hmm. And for a minute there, we were like, but but why? Yeah. Right? But, but, but what for? You know, right. we're, we're talking about, and I know it's still hard to get a PlayStation 5, yeah. but we can't, but we're not going to keep we're not going to keep, you know, developing games for PS4 in perpetuity. Mm. Like, it's it, it's just not great, y'all. Like, like it, it makes everything harder, and it, it bottlenecks our system. I think developers should start refusing to make games for the Xbox Series S the way they refuse to make games for the Switch. Right. You know, it just doesn't fit with what we have going. Xbox, if you want our game on your console, it's going to have to be the big cube that most people don't want. Right. Like or it, it's a Game Pass game. Yeah. Like it, we need a specific bottom line of hardware, and the Xbox Series S doesn't need it. Otherwise, our games will always look like PS4 games, no matter how much better they get, no matter how much more we're capable of. Mm-hmm. It's true. And hardware, the hardware problem is starting to alleviate. So take that for what it is. It is getting a little bit easier to, to get a console. You know, it's not there yet, but fingers crossed it will get there better. Yeah. All right. So we have one last section before we wrap up and obviously, you know, it's coming. It is a quick round of everyone's favorite segment, blizzard 
are you okay? Yeah, no, 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 they, um, Jesus Christ, and today they're not. All right, so we have four things, very quick. Lightning round, here we go. First up, for all the login issues around the launch of Overwatch 2, Blizzard will be giving out a free legendary skin, Weapon Charm, and Double XP weekends later this month. Patches are rapidly still hitting the game as they try to correct for all the week one problems. True. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, uh, someone made a really um, interesting point uh, earlier today that uh, kind of resonated with me. It was that we are currently in the middle of uh, not having a Bastion um, available to, to be played. Uh, Torbjorn in the same way in comp. Yep. Um, and the, the idea that they're going to hold the patch back to fix that until this coming Tuesday when they do the whole patch cycle feels disrespectful to those characters because you know if it was Tracer or Ryan they would have fixed it already it's true. you know if it was like one of the mainstay characters that they wouldn't wait you know uh, 7 to 10 days I think it's been 16 days since we had Bastion or something yeah like like come on that's true like, like you know, like, like you, you can you, you can hot patch the game for like characters being gone, and you know we just found out that they had to take a whole map out. So like, right. it, we, it, I don't know, it, it feels something felt off there. Okay. Next up, over the last week, it was reported that Diva, the Korean tank hero from Overwatch, shot up to the number one spot of Pornhub searches after the launch of Overwatch Two. Yep. Nope. That doesn't surprise me at all. That checks well, out. It, Overwatch has always driven Rule Thirty Four, mm -hmm. and um. Yeah, no, I mean Diva's a Diva's as good as all the rest of them. That's yeah. for sure. I mean, I'd put her like like one rung below Roadhog, but like I Road, mean, I mean the, Roadhog is peak physical performance. Oh yeah, you gotta smash those cheeks. Right, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, console players of Overwatch 2 were upset this week when they found out that if they competed in cross-platform play against PC players, that their aim assist was automatically turned off, leading to a, quote, significant dip in their aim consistency. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's, either you're, it's either turned off or they have to ban you for using certain peripherals because there are peripherals you can use on a console that just mimic keyboard and mouse. And if you use those with aim assist, you are cheating. Yep. You're just cheating. That's just how controls work. And finally, 21 QA testers currently working on Diablo 4 have been approved by the National Labor Relations Board to move forward on forming a union. Activision has gone on to say, quote, we believe every employee in Albany who works on Diablo should have a say in this decision. Welcome, comrades. Um, it's good to have you. Yeah. It's, it's good shit. Good on you for standing up for yourselves. Um, and yeah, you know, Blizzard, as you know, Activision, for sure, they're going to do some union busting, because mm -hmm. no matter how illegal it is, because that's what they do, uh, just stand strong, yeah. stand fast, you will all be better for you. Yeah, we support the workers. To it. Fuck Bobby Kotick. Fuck Bobby Kotick. And that is everything that we have for the news this week, but we have much more to talk about when we come back in the... Boss Room. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It's time for the Boss Room, our main segment for the show. Sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. This week was a heck of a week for Silent Hill fans, as Konami dropped a bombshell of a presentation. There's a lot to talk about, so let's dive right into it. Real quick, before we get started on all the video game stuff, I just want to knock the merch part out. Right? Oh, yeah. there were, they, they showed off new Silent Hill merchandise. Oh, yeah. um, it was good. It was fun. Yeah, a um, bunch of statues. I know people are really into that stuff. If I had, like, space and a lot of shelves, like, 
I, I want statues for it. I want all of those statues, yeah. but knowing they're probably going to cost 300 bucks plus a piece just to own one, yeah. I'm like, uh, mm, mm-hmm. I'm not, not there yet. But I appreciate it. The art is beautiful. It looks great. They have this really great uh, Silent Hill figure that is actually a like a piggy bank, and it's of the oh. end, it's of the ending of Silent Hill Two, yeah. where you find out that like the dog and the UFO is actually con- controlled everything in Silent Hill, and it's like it's great. It's so cute. I love that. Yeah, and then it's a piggy bank. Come on. Yeah. So let's get into the games. So the first thing that was shown was the remake of Silent Hill 2. Yeah. Now, this isn't being handled by Konami. In fact, it's important to note here, none of the games that we are talking about today are being handled by Konami. Right, because they don't have good game studios like that anymore. Right. So, it is the remake of Silent Hill 2. Um, Bloomberg Team is the one that's uh, doing this. They've done a lot of games such as uh, uh, the one that just came out, the, the Medium. Which they actually did with a with, uh, with, with yeah, Akira, the the, the actual um, composer for Silent Hill. Yeah, um, was the medium was the big one that they did recently. Yeah, the medium was the one that um, it, it felt what I what I, what I played of it because it was on Game Pass and I played probably like three or four hours of it. Felt uh, how do I like uh, early Resident Evil gameplay wise? Um, the graphics were great and it was really interesting being in two worlds at the same time. But, um, yeah, overall, it was um, uh, kind of underwhelming, the experience. I've heard really good things about Layers of Fear, though I've never played it. I heard even better things about Blair Witch. Um, But the one that intrigued me the most was Observer. Now, Observer was a really cool one because it was cyberpunk. And it was, like, a detective who had to, like, crawl through the memories of people to, like, find what they were like 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 what they might be guilty or innocent of very cool small game before they hit it big and got that konami money Hmm. cool game so the silent hill 2 remake let's dive into this from my perspective because obviously everybody who's ever listened to the show ever knows that i'm a giant fucking silent hill fan Mm -hmm. so when it comes to the silent hill remake i have seen people that are very positive about it online and i've seen people that are very negative about it online The thing is, I think that fans of Silent Hill have a problem, and their problem is hanging on to the past. I was going to say it was Konami. It was also Konami. (laughs) That is the other problem, but yes, it's also hanging on to the past. I'll let you continue. Those are two two different factors here. (laughs) Silent Hill 2 is a sacred book to a lot of people, and changing any of it will instantly set people off. That being said, a lot of people said that about Resident Evil 2, and look what we got with that remake. Agreed. So let's talk about the big negative that a lot of people have, right? Let's talk about Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Bloomberg team stuff is what I would consider maddeningly mid-tier. Um, yes, they do a lot correct. of they do a lot of original IPs, lots and, of double A games, and they're taking risks in a horror space where a lot of people aren't. And like you said, I'd consider them kind of a double A developer. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I think they know the weight of this project, and they are going to be taking their time with it. And on top of that, the creators of that game are helping them with it. That's true, and that's that, that is no small thing. The composer and artist are coming in to be like, all right, yeah, let's help out. Yeah, like you're talking about like like someone walking in and saying like, here's a show bible we had for the first game uh here's you know all the information any of the lore anything you need to know anything about whether or not this is appropriate or a good thing to add or remove from a game 
you can consult that and you can consult us. Mm -hmm. Like, like this is everything. If you were making anything, like the biggest gift you could ever have would be have the original's director standing next to you or a phone call away or, you know, like a live chat away. Um, That, I think, is going to do them a lot of good. So at that point, the only thing there is to worry about is the fidelity of the game itself. And from this team, I mean, they've made some very competently competent running games like yeah. like like their their mechanics are sound it's not like they make games that are really janky they, yeah. they, they make very solid offers i think what they might have been lacking until now is writing yeah. so i mean hopefully now they have it yeah and when it comes to silent hill 2 there's going to be a lot of problems that people are going to have one of the things i haven't seen people talk about online that i'm just going to address right now is that they said that they're going to go back and redo some of the soundtrack they are going to make different versions of the songs that we already knew Mm -hmm. and for some people this again this is the sacred text how Mm -hmm. dare you change the song that is in the game at these certain moments here's the thing i got close to the mic for a reason Mm -hmm. here's the thing I religiously listen to the Silent Hill soundtracks all the time. And it was great. I was listening to it today while I was working. I had nice. like I, I was working on a project at work. I had the Silent Hill soundtracks going on. I'm singing, bobbing my head, having a good time. The soundtrack to Silent Hill 3 was a big part of my life. When you tell me that there is going to now be more songs that I get to add to a Silent Hill Spotify playlist, I get very excited about that. Yeah. I mean, from the composer, they're coming from the original composer. composer, So like shit. Yeah. Yeah. This is because not less. This is more at the end of the day. If you are that offended by the remake of Silent Hill 2, Silent Hill 2 still exists. Mm -hmm. You can still play it. So great. Like if you, if you don't like it, if you're like, I don't like the new voice of James. I don't like the new voice of Maria. I don't like the, the mocap. I don't like the way that they handled certain plot elements. Then just don't. Yeah. You, you can Just not. You cannot. That's great. But I'm going to come back to this point a few times. Silent Hill is a franchise um, needs to move forward. Mm-hmm. And we can only do that by changing things up a little bit. And we're going to start by looking at the past. Yeah. And to look at the past, we take one of the... This is what Capcom did. Mm-hmm. They said, before we get to the next future of Resident Evil, let's go to the past for a minute and do the two and three remakes. And people got up in arms about that because two Resident Evil 2 is a sacred text to them. Right. right? You can't alter Resident Evil. You can't, you can't put a new intro in where Leon fights somebody in a gas station at the beginning because that doesn't actually happen in the canon of the fucking game. Long. I... Bro, no one gives a shit. No like, one like, gives a shit about if they can kill their darlings to make something more complete or better, you can be okay with it. And and like you said, you cannot like if we have to go all the way back to like the last part, Last of Us Part One discussion we had like a month ago. This feels like at this point that it's gonna be for fans. And like, if you're not a fan, hopefully this brings you back. This brings you into Silent Hill, and you didn't know anything about Silent Hill, and now you're here. And maybe then you get into the old games, and then maybe you watch the the excellent movie. Um, but you know, if 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 your 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 absolute darling is the original, and you don't want anything to change about that, or you think it's too soon, then, then Silent Hill Two exists. Yeah, then you don't have to. You did. No one's making you. Yeah. Nobody's. Nobody's. Stepping yeah. on your shit. Yeah. Like, go back and play the original Silent Hill 2. Mm-hmm. But now what I'm excited to talk about is the future of Silent Hill. Uh-huh. So one of the first games that we got to see was Silent Hill F. This was a very interesting one to talk about. Mm. Because Silent Hill F is 
does not, as far as we could tell, take place in Silent Hill. Right. It takes place in Japan in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And there are def- definitely visual uh, connections to Silent Hill, but nothing in the trailer that made you go, oh, that is um, Silent Hill. Yeah. The uh, I don't have the actual uh, writer's name who was shown during it or written down, but he does have a history of doing very detailed um, visual novels. Um, a oh, lot of cool. his a lot of his writing is actually like around psychology, um, so it's more about getting into the minds of characters. Um, but this is a point of contention for people because now this is a Silent Hill game that, for all we can tell for right now, mm-hmm. does not take place in Silent Hill. Gorgeous right. trailer, but takes place in Japan, and people have feelings about that. And to that, I say, I don't care. Yeah. I don't want. <laughs> right? I don't want. I don't want to be a dick about this, but. This almost feels like a move to take Silent Hill and put it into an anthology horror format. And if there's anything that I want more in my life, it's anthology horror. Yeah, always. If you're going to tell me that Silent Hill F is a Silent Hill style game that takes place in Japan... And then you go, well, but Silent Hill 5 is actually going to take place in Silent Hill. So you're going to, and I'm not saying that this is what Konami's doing. I'm just saying that if you told me that every numbered Silent Hill took place in the town and every non-numbered one was just part of this anthology, I'd be like, that's great. You've just told me exactly what the game plan is for the series. Mm-hmm. Let's fucking do it. I'm going to play all of them. Yep. I mean... Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I super in for a new Silent Hill. Like, no. like come on. If you're going to show me anything about it that looks decent, then I'm in. Um, I, I love the Japanese setting. It reminds me of, uh, like, like the, those old PlayStation 3 horror games you could download off of, like, brand new PlayStation Store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stuff like that. Uh yeah, I, I think it's going to be great. There's not enough horror set in that space. because Also, it's so specific, right? Japanese horror in the 60s. Yeah. Well, it's this, you get this distinct separation between a semi-modern world, a world where telephones exist, not mm. cell phones and not the internet, but you have telephones, but you also have deep countryside where you're away from It's everything. true. This is Japan before the... 70s to 80s tech boom right. that kind of gave modern America what their impression of what they think Japan is, which is things like Tokyo essentially the cyber the cyberpunk genre. Yeah, Shibuya, right? So this is yeah. just on the cusp of that that you're wanting to set this in, which effectively is what Silent Hill is. It is a town that is old, but not old enough to have cell phones in it. It's a right. town that didn't have all of those things. So it fits the fucking vibe, but really just in a, in a way that we don't really interpret as Americans because we all think that Silent Hill is what we saw in the movie which is Centralia, Pennsylvania that whole Mm -hmm. by the way the whole thing in the movie with the the gas explosion it's a real thing look it up the the, the town is actually still on fire Um, but yeah like um, I think it's cool to jump into that period for Japan and I don't think I need a big detailed explanation as to why I don't think I I I think I I would almost be offended if you're like well this just it's the the town bleeding into other places I mean I don't really need that I just want the theme of the the psychological horror to be the same and I'm down exactly it doesn't need to you know again like like how much does horror benefit from not explaining it almost completely so yeah I mean just just give me you if you want to connect it loose you know, if you want to do the Final Fantasy, there's a character named Sid sort of yeah. thing. That's great. Cool. Yeah, love it. But, um, I mean, it's it, it's fine. Like, it, 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 I, I want more Silent Hill. 
Mm-hmm. I want it to be good. Like, I do genuinely want it to be good. I don't... I, I, for years, I've been on Team Fuck Konami, and I'm kind... I, I'm, I'm certainly still on it. But at the same time... We've also been on Team give, Let Konami Give Their IP to Other People, and that's oh, what they're doing. Oh, please, God. And, and yeah, yeah, they are doing it. Like, it'd be nice if they sold it so I didn't have to, like, look at their stupid name anymore. But yeah. at the same time, like, they, they're letting someone else take the wheel... And they're throwing the original talent that made these things behind it, which is pretty unprecedented. It's like we're going to give someone else our toy and we want it to be as good as possible, which is the only thing that makes me feel like any of this is even worth looking at. Sure. Like they could have sold it. They could have sold all this shit to Tencent. You know, that could have been the announcement yesterday. That is true. They, they, they could have given it to way cheaper studios and tried to mandate that they make something way above their pay grade. They are paying for this shit. They, they, they are putting the talent in, and uh, I, I'm not saying it will be good, but it certainly looks like it's worth our attention. Yeah. At least for now. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed, man. The next game that we're going to talk about is uh, Silent Hill Townfall. And let me tell you about the pedigree of the team that is working on this. Now, I have not played Stories Untold or Observation, but I do know that Stories Untold won a fuck ton of awards. I mean, just like you go on the webpage and it's just like, here's all of the awards at one. And it's not even just like, you know, here's the Indie Game Studio Award. It's like fucking BAFTA awards that it won for its writing. So this team does narration. With this game, and this is just speculation, and we can do that because it's the boss room, I think that this game is going to be a little bit lighter on the gameplay aspect. And when I say that, I mean it's probably going to be a little less action-y. Yeah. But probably going to be very, very deep psychological horror because that is what this team does. Fuck yeah. And we only got a very small trailer for it. It was really cool when they actually had one of the producers out. He's like, you may want to rewatch that trailer a couple times because we put things in it Um, because it does go by really fast. But... When I looked up, uh, it is No Code Studios is the yeah. name of the studio that's doing it. I yeah, I went and did a little bit of research on them afterwards, and I went, oh, I've because I had heard of both Untold Stories and Observation. They were ones that like YouTubers that you and I would watch would mm-hmm. do a video on, okay, just like yeah. here's a fucking weird ass game that you should check out. And then I saw the awards for untold stories and I went, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is going to be a silent hill unlike other silent hills. This is going to be a game. Not that silent hill isn't story focused. Obviously we still talk about the lore of these games in a way that's unprecedented to most games. Mm -hmm. um, Because in in the way that really well-written horror is talked about, you know, right. And but I think that with this studio taking on a Silent Hill project, they are really going to expend the time and effort to not only make a terrifying game, but maybe something that might be deeply profound, which is another aspect of Silent Hill. The thing is, you get to the end of Silent Hill 2 and all the things that happens to James at the end of it and as fucked up as all of it is, it's a little profound because the whole story is him going through a certain mental journey yeah. that is the reason silent hill is talked about the way that it is to this day is that it is one man's going through some shit if you ever seen jacob's ladder it's exactly jacob's ladder yeah um but yeah it's i'm excited for this game just because i think it's going to bring a new and different take 
to Silent Hill and to the genre of Silent Hill 2 mm-hmm. or of Silent Hill. Silent Hill 2 is the only one of these games that sounds like a traditional Silent Hill game. Everything yeah, else up. announced by the other studios is like, we're going to do a Silent Hill game, but it's not going to be grab a flashlight and yep. a big stick and beat somebody with it. Yeah, and let's not forget, like, they've spent their entire, like, pretty much every game trying to mix up what's going on. It was a little bit more tame between 1, 2, and 3. It's like, let's do the whole thing in the town, and let's bring, you know, James in. And the third one is like, let's have you play as a teenage girl. That's pretty threatening. And then The it goes, fourth one is like, let's just trap you in a room. And yeah. like, the only way out is through a hole in the wall, and now you're in a subway, and, the and beauty, there are fucking ghosts. The beauty of 4, which I have not played, and I need, it's a, it's a scar on my, my Silent Hill record, but... Four is one of those games that we are now coming back to with the wisdom of years and going, yeah. this game is actually much better than we gave it credit for when it came out. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful game. Because we had three games of copy-paste. Oh, yeah. Of like, okay, here's my clunky combat. Here are my scares. Yeah. Here's how I solve the puzzles. Yeah. Here's how I put the puzzles on hard mode. Yeah, I'm not but trying like, to be... We were gamifying. And, and by the way, I'm not trying to be disingenuous with the plot of Silent Hill because... Holy shit, that's all great. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about this is the same town. You go, you you know, there's a mm-hmm. almost there's a reason why people like me find comfort in the town of Silent Hill because I've been there so many times yeah. that I could close my eyes and literally walk down the different towns which are different roads which are all named for different horror writers. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell you like this is where you know the school is and this is where the the hospital is and all these things. I know where Toluca Lake is. Mm-hmm. Like these are all things, but. With Silent Hill 4, we were taken away from that until the very end, right? It is a new horror experience. Yeah. And I I do want to go back to that town. That town is my happy place. I'm going to tell you something really fucked up about me. Um, I find vast comfort in those uh, soundtracks um, Mm. in a really weird way. Like if if and when I was younger and may have been like hanging out with my friends and maybe was in a bad headspace because of something we had taken, Mm -hmm. they could put headphones on me and put on Silent Hill music and I instantly get calm. Mm. It's a weird thing. It is probably not healthy and I should probably see a therapist about it. But that town brings me some peace. Yeah. And I want to go back there someday. But I don't need every game to take me there. I can use to take a... I want to continue enjoying that horror, but not having to always go back to the same inhabited space to do it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And so we have a game where it's going to take place in Japan. We have another one that we don't know where it's going to take place, but it's probably going to be more narrative driven and less, you know, of the jump scare situation. So I'm excited about that. So there's one more thing that we do need to talk about, or two, actually. Um, Very briefly, we should touch on the Silent Hill Ascension. Yeah, I didn't really understand that. Like, like I watched it. I I heard all the words. I I knew every word that he said. But when he said them together, I was like... What? Yeah, so Silent Hill Ascension is hard to describe because we, A, didn't get enough information about it, and B, it used a lot of buzzwords. Yeah. It was a lot of, this is done as a real-time game that is meant to be streamed, that your audience can participate in, that all the choices that you make are final, you can't go back on them. Yeah. Um, it was vague enough that I find it hard to talk about in this section just because... Yeah. like I didn't know if we were looking at like like a game that requires... Like other people to play, like a Jackbox party pack, but or more like one of the, uh, you know, like the quarry or something that you could really play that with a friend so you can all like make decisions together. Or if it was like a Niantic game, like if this was like Silent Hill's run at Pokemon Go. Right. Like, like I, I, I didn't know what he was describing to me while he described it. And then he just left. 
Yeah. So I don't want to dive too much into that because I feel like that is something that is worth waiting until we have more information because it was just vague. Yeah. 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 And you know what? If it is Silent Hills Pokemon Go, if they do that right, that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, like yeah. you can only play at night. Yeah. <laughs> and like like you just go to your town's local graveyard and like like wander around disrespectfully. Like that would be fucking awesome. So I basically get to play a game for something that I already do naturally? Yes, but now like you get points. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. I've, been, I've always wanted points for going and hanging out in graveyards. Exactly. Fucking Eight-year-old me would be so happy if I could be like, bro, you're going to get points off doing this someday. Dude, double XP weekend. <laughs> right? Okay, so let's talk about the Silent Hill movie. Mm-hmm. So it was announced they are going to be doing a Silent Hill movie um, based around the game Silent Hill 2. Um, it is going to be done by the persons that worked on the original Silent Hill film. Good. So Christopher Gantz, um, who is, in fact, a giant Silent Hill gamer. One mm-hmm. of the things that got me excited about the Silent Hill movie before it came out was reading a lot of the interviews where he was there on set with the other writers and directors, and he basically would play the game every single night and adjust his camera styles and what was going on based on things that he was playing and, and learning while he was yeah. playing the games. He is obviously passionate about the product that he's producing. Um, I think that Silent Hill 2 is a tricky game to make a movie out of. I mean, they did it. Uh, well, <laughs> it's Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's Jacob's Ladder, right? Um, they did that. Um, but <laughs> you know what? They're going in with the best intentions. They said, obviously, some things plot-wise are going to be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be good to see Pyramid Head in the environment that he's supposed to be in because he was not supposed to be in that first movie. No, no. That was wasn't. one of my biggest beats that, that, the first that was, movie. That, that let smacked of a studio decision. It's yeah, like, we, we it need, like, like what's your, where's your Jason? Where's your Freddy Cougar? Yep. It's like, we don't have that. The closest thing we have would be Pyramid Head, but that's not very, do that! But that's not very shut up and do that. Yeah. Okay. And that okay. was my biggest problem with the original Silent Hill movie because the original yeah. Silent Hill movie was based around Silent Hill 1. Mm-hmm. Pyramid Head is a creature, if you don't know, that is root, uh, firmly rooted in James Sunderland's uh, con- consciousness mm-hmm. and that is the protagonist of Silent Hill 2 having him show up in anything else is fucking fan service yeah. like he's literally not supposed to exist because yeah. he doesn't he, just live in the town yeah, he, like, yeah he, he's he not some dude yeah, yeah he's not some dude just hanging out like having a, a fucking bud right he's like, like well, let me get my big ass knife and my and my pyramid head and let me go out walking oh, right look something to chop like right. no he, yeah. he's there because of our protagonist. He's yeah. not there it on a, his own. It is a part of his psyche. Um, so it, it is an excuse to get Pyramid Head back on the screen, which is great, a red pyramid thing, whatever Love you want to call him. It'll be about James Sunderland. I think that Silent Hill 2 is, you know, it is, you're right, it is doable as a movie. But here's my thing about it. I like Silent Hill 2, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot, a lot. And I am hoping that with this remake and with this movie, we can put it to bed for a while yeah yeah you, you would like to just not for a bit like well right. it's it's you know it's it's its own version of well i would say resident evil 2 but also four. it's it's when the franchise really kicked it up a notch and feel like it it like grew out of the constraints of the technology from the playstation one right and it kind of grew into itself and you got what you could really do with a silent hill mm-hmm. that's what silent Hill 2 felt like yeah. the same way that resident evil 4 came out and it was like well this is a whole new thing you know that, that, that's the, like oh, the, the Hill- mocap for silent yeah. hill 2 alone yeah. it still holds up go it and just watch good. like literally youtube like intro to silent hill 2 and you're like fuck that looks good yeah and it's creepy and you're like that was a ps2 game like playstation 2 y'all yeah playstation 2 there are modern games that do not look that good yeah 
So I think that here's the thing about it. Silent Hill has been gone a long time. And going back to the granddaddy of all Silent Hill games, that being Silent Hill 2, is an important step for the future of the franchise, specifically because it's a moneymaker. Yeah. Um, it's the creator of the first movie that's going to be working on this, which I love. And it is still, in my opinion, the best, one of the best, if not the best game adaptation of all time. Definitely up there. Absolutely. Right. And I'll definitely see it opening weekend. No, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's we're getting tickets for that for sure. So yeah, I think that there's a really cool future for Silent Hill. We've been begging for content for so long and we've honestly been memeing like people who are fans have just been memeing Silent Hill for so long because it's our coping mechanism because there hasn't been any more Silent Hill because Konami didn't give a shit about Silent Hill for as long as they have. Yeah. And then you, you know it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. Like like, like do, do you remember what the memes about cyberpunk were like like the month before it came out oh yeah like you know, the people they, they announced that game like five years ago people were fucking ravenous with their memes and yeah it's only going to get but worse memes are often a time of or, or showing the public zeitgeist's excitement for yeah that. absolutely no it's good it yeah. is it, it is literally a good way to measure engagement with your thing right so there, there will be naysayers that are online saying, oh, I don't like this thing. Mm. And mind you, I'm talking about naysayers right now. Before we've actually ever gotten our hands on any of these games mm-hmm. or anything that are going on, they're going to have complaints about every single one of them. In my humble opinion, right now, it's better to be excited for the future of Silent Hill than it is to be judgmental of it because we've gone so many years thinking that we would never get another Silent Hill game. Oh, yeah. And now we are going to get multiple ones. Mm-hmm. Let's fucking enjoy that for a minute. Yeah. Agreed. No matter what the future brings us, there's nothing wrong with more Silent Hill. No, no. I mean, I, yeah. Like, like I said a little bit earlier, I, I want it to be good so badly. Like, yeah. I really do. I want there to be good Silent Hill in the world because it's it's just another cool, good thing. Yeah. You know, it's awesome. Even if you think the F in Silent Hill F is an F for for PT, which it probably is. What? You know, is that a theory? <laughs> no, no, it's just an F in chat oh, for PT God. dying. Yo, the F, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that that actually does. Uh, like, 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 no, no matter what your take on any of this is, I hope that you're enough of a fan of Silent Hill to want it to carry on. And, you know, as, as again, as much as a fuck Konami guy that I am, I, I, I want to see what this brings out. And remember, they're just a publisher and a lot of people are going to work on this game. Yeah. And if they do a good job, then I want more of it because there's yeah. like, you could always use more good video game horror. Exactly. And Silent Hill was one of the few franchises that knew you don't make good video game horror with gameplay. You mm-hmm. make it with literally everything else. Yeah. Silent Hill is my happy place. And I'm genuinely so happy. I'm almost moved to tears that I get to go back to my happy place. Finally. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's going to be great. I'm glad that the original artists and composers are coming back, whether that be for remakes or, or spinoffs or whatever. I don't care. People will say, well, the new games aren't team silent and I don't want to play them. Well, to them, I say, guess what? Those games exist. Go play those. Yeah. But for the rest of us, all I can say to you veterans and new people alike welcome to silent hill Mm -hmm. that is everything that we have for the show this week thank you for sticking with us i hope you appreciated what we had to talk about when it came to silent hill and everything in the news this week you can find us at many many places you can go over to facebook.com slash gnggcast to talk to us there at gnggcast on twitter to speak to me directly because i'm 
have nothing to do with my time other than be on Twitter. <laughs> and you can also head over to patreon.com slash gnggcast, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about, not just Silent Hill. Um, and thank you to all of our patrons who have been contributing. I hope you've been enjoying all of our horror videos we've been putting out for Patreon. I'm going to be changing the Patreon goals here soon. I just have not had a lot of time. Again, I was sick this week and a lot of other stuff going on. Um, we're not going to have a million tiers. It's going to be like a dollar and a five dollar tier or something like that. Yeah. We're going to keep it, keep simple. it simple. Keep it as simple for everybody. But thank you to everybody who tunes, tunes in every week. Thank you to everybody who's in Twitch chat hanging out with us. Uh, you guys are one of the reasons we love doing this. Um, and until next week, for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game.